0: Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at FaithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Uh, How are my Wednesday Saints doing? All right, good. How about my Wednesday saints? How you doing? All right. No, you guys are—you're all saints. If you're joining us on the screen somewhere, you are also a Wednesday saint. So we're so glad that you're joining with us. Lean in and uh, hear from God tonight, and uh, and uh, we look forward to when you can be with us in person at one of our campuses because it's even better in person. It just is. It is. Yeah, it's good. Because no, it is. We we get to hang out with each other, which is a real huge part of. Uh, being in the kingdom. and uh, So anyway, glad that you're here. Glad that you're joining us if you're not here in person. Let me talk for just a second about uh, Wednesday schedules because we are mixing it up a little bit this month. And so um, I don't know if it would affect your attendance uh, that drastically. But let me tell you. So normally our last Wednesday night is um, our prayer prayer ministry night, prayer night. Um, For the month of September... Um, we're We're not doing that. We, we move the prayer night to October 5th, which I think is the, that's the first Wednesday night in October. So this week and next week, it's the book of Haggai. So I'm going to start with chapter 1. Pastor Sonny's is going to do chapter 2 next week. And then our prayer night will be October 5th. And you go, why would you move the prayer night from the last Wednesday? Because it's supposed to be the last Wednesday. I count on that, Pastor. And now my last Wednesday, I'm not going to be able to pray. Well, first of all, you can still pray, all right? The reason why we're doing it, though, is because the week after the October 5th, Wednesday, so three weeks from tonight, is Awaken service. And so we wanted to take that Wednesday before that that Awaken uh, event happens, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights, we wanted to uh, take that Wednesday right before uh, that event to uh, be praying and just uh, ask God to pour out His Spirit, ask God to reach our our friends through this event. Um, listen, there's two parts to that event. We do believe that God is going to do something in the life of our church at Awaken, but we also believe that uh, there's going to be a great harvest of souls that week. And uh, listen, I'm twisting those speakers' arms, and I'm saying let's, do, let's, let's cast the net every single night. Uh, and so any night you want to invite, what's great about an event like this is you can invite somebody to Sunday night, and then they can be like, oh, I can't come Sunday night. And you're like, oh, it's all good. How about Monday night? And then they'll be like, oh, actually, I, got, I have my thing. and It's bowling night on Monday night. Oh, cool, yeah. How about Tuesday night? And you just keep going. And if they say no to all four of those nights, then invite them to Thursday night. Now, we won't be here, but just bring them in here, and you have a little service with them. All right? No, it'll be awesome. Let's pray. Let's ask God uh, one more time just to anoint uh, this word as we look into uh, this book of Haggai tonight. Lord, your word is just so good. It's so more than enough. It's more than we could ever need. It it, it just applies to every area of our life. And so we just pray that tonight as we look into uh, this uh, chapter one of Haggai, we pray this would be no exception, that you would speak to us. Uh, We are here. Uh, in your name. We're, we're certainly here to uh, hear from you and to allow your word to uh, look into our lives and do something so significant within us. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 All right, Haggai. And I can, I can feel the excitement in the air. I mean, you say Haggai and people are ready. I mean, that's what I thought. No, you will be, all right? Let me tell you this. Chapter one of Haggai is going to say a little bit more to you than you think it's going to, all right? So just get your expectation up. Uh, but um, I'll give you a little bit of background on, on this in just a moment. But um, uh, you'll you'll hear in, in, in this chapter, uh, they'll mention the word ruins, that something is just in ruins. And um, I... You know, travel, you go to certain places in the world and they say, do you wanna go see the ruins, right? Um, I've been in places like that. And uh, for whatever it's worth, I don't know what this says about me, but I'm usually not that excited about going and seeing the ruins. Like now I have been to a couple places that would be categorized as that and I have been been somewhat moved by the history of it. Like I, I understand that. But I'm just telling you that like the next place I go that has ruins, and they go, hey, you could either do this, or you could do this, or you could go see the ruins, um, there's something about me that just goes, let's do the other stuff. And maybe it's because the word ruins, it's just like, it sounds, you know what I'm saying, like it just sounds so negative, like let's go see something that has been ruined. And I'm like, I can see that at my house, things that have been ruined, you know what I'm saying, like. My dogs ruin things. Like I can, I don't have to go travel. Like I don't know if this happens to just me, but I'm telling you at a disproportionate rate, if I wear a shirt for the first time, it gets ruined. I I don't know what it is. Like I'll be eating something and my motor skills will start to skip and normally I can get like, let's say a french fry with some ketchup. Normally I can, I've done this a few hundred times in my life. Normally I can go from here to there without any like major dysfunction, but something about a new shirt will cause me to miss my mouth altogether and just boom. And I'm telling you, there's been, it just seems disproportionate where some little stain or drip will get on a new shirt, we'll put it through the wash, we'll put the spray on it, we'll do everything. It'll come out and that the residue of that stain will still be there. And I'm like, there, it's ruined. As some of my family used to say back in the old, some of my, my, my aunts and uncles, they say, it's ruined with a T. I don't know. It's, it's really ruined when you have to add a T to it. It was It's ruined. That's what they used to say back in the day. So maybe it's that, but I've never been a fan uh, necessarily of, of, of ruins. And so that's what we're going to see here in, Haggai chapter one. You're gonna you're gonna see this phrase uh, ruins, and it's because they had begun to build a temple, and uh, at right as they had started. Um, okay, can we can we teach a little bit? Is that all right? You, you're gonna stay with me if we if we go a little history here for a second. Is that all right? Okay. Now there are there are twelve uh, minor prophets in uh, the Bible. Uh, they are not minor because they're less important. They're, they're called minor prophets because of the size of the books. Um, but uh, some of them would be like Hosea, uh, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum. Okay, so those are some of the minor prophets. Uh, Haggai is one of the minor prophets. Now, uh, of the 12, nine of them were prophets and prophesying and, and writing um, before the Babylonian exile of, the, uh, of Jerusalem, okay? And so this would be like, you know, before like 600 B.C., okay? So nine of the 12 minor prophets are, are predating that Babylonian exile. Matter of fact, they're talking about it. They're prophesying that it's coming. And then ba- Babylonian Empire kind of destroys Jerusalem, destroys the temple, Solomon's temple, and um, and and so now there are three of the minor prophets that are post the uh, 70-year exile, where where the Babylonians ruled over Jerusalem and had them in slavery, and so and then Haggai is one of those prophets that's after that exile. Are you with me so far? Okay, are you with me still? Say Amen. All right, so now Haggai now comes about 18 years after they have been, uh, after that exile is over. And so at the beginning of getting out of that exile, uh, the Israelites come together and they go, hey, let's, re- let's rebuild the temple. We- that's what we need to do. We feel like God's calling us to do that. So they start to rebuild the temple. Babylonians had destroyed the temple. Now they're gonna rebuild it. They just barely laid the foundation and they get a little bit of um, political um, uh, pressure to stop. And, and so, okay, rightly so, they stopped. But the problem was, is after that pressure had stopped and gone away, um, after the um, political powers were saying, don't build it, they had stopped with that don't build it stuff, and the Israelites never got back to building it. So now we just got weeds growing up. We got uh, this foundations there. But the temple, the house of God lies in, guess what? ruins. And now the Israelites have gotten used to just doing life with the house of God in ruins. All right, there's our, there's our historical background of Haggai chapter one. The cool thing about it is, um, as you read about this, uh, this biblical history of, of the Jewish people and these different, uh, seasons of exile and, and these wars and whatever, um, Really, since this has been obviously written, um, there have been a lot of different um, archaeological uh, digs and and a lot of different civilizations that they've discovered and uh, they've gone through and nearly every single aspect that is written in these uh, in these minor and major prophets, these these, these storylines that we see in the Word of God all of them uh, basically have been proven accurate by, uh, by archaeology and what they have found. One more thing I'll say before we jump into chapter one is this, because I think it's important to say, but you, I want you to understand the Old Testament, or really the Bible overall, but especially in the Old Testament, which is what we're in right now, it's not, it's not in chronological order. So when you read through the Old Testament, um, it's not in Chronological order, so there's there's some overlap, and so um, so what we read about in say for instance Haggai, uh, some of the same stuff is going on. Uh, with Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. That's the Babylonian takeover, but, but we're also reading about it in, in in Haggai. Uh, Ezra will talk about it, uh, the, the same time period. And so there's, there's some different overlap. You can read, um, there is such a thing as a chronological Bible. And actually the next time, I, I just read through the Bible usually, like that's my rhythm as I just read straight through um, all the time, I'm just always reading through the Bible. But I think the next time I do it, um, I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it with the chronological Bible, just because I never have done that before, and we'll see how that goes. I'll let you know. All right, Amen. All right, let's go. Verse number one. This is what Haggai says in verse number one. In the second year of King uh, Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, so June first, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Sarebubbel, son of Shealt- Shealtiel, and the, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. The word of the Lord comes to these two leaders, one representing a um, political leader and one a spiritual leader. So we've got governmental leader and spiritual leader, and the, the, the word of the Lord comes from, uh, comes through Haggai, and he, and he gives it out. And so uh, we'll look through kind of what this word of the Lord was and what the, uh, what the reaction was by the um, children of Israel and by these two leaders as a result of the word of the Lord. Um, and so let's go to verse two, three, and four. This is what the beginning of the word of the Lord said. This is the Lord Almighty says, these people say, pause right there real quick, God is talking about Israelites. And normally when he would talk about the Israelites, he would say my people. But in this instance, the word of the Lord comes and he says, these people, which we've gotten gotten two words into what the Lord is saying to to the children of Israel. And within the first two words, it's already very serious because it's not my people are doing this. He's going, these people are doing this. So I have a feeling that as the prophet begins to give this declaration, the first two words, everybody's like, "Uh uh-oh. Like they're already in trouble because it's not my people, it's, it's these people. So he says, these people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. For 18 years it has sat here in ruins, but they say, well, well, not yet. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It is time for you yourselves, to, no, I'm sorry. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house remains a ruin? Here's the first point I would, I would bring out of this word from the Lord. Nothing should compete. Nothing should compete with the Lord in their life. Nothing should compete with the Lord in your life. He should be absolutely... Number one, it should show up in every area of your life because that's what God's people do. And when we start to struggle with who's competing for my heart, who's competing for my devotion, who's competing to be number one in my life, once that happens, I go from being God's people to these people. And listen, this world is too messed up for us to be walking around as these people. Faith assembly, we are not these people. We're not even faith assembly people. We are God's people. Because God, how do we get to be God's people? Because God is number one in our life. They were running around saying it's not time yet to to focus on building the kingdom. It's not time yet to build God's house. And and so then the prophet says, God says through the prophet, well then is it time for you to be putting all this effort into your house, into uh, making your life so comfortable while the house of God Remains in ruins Now I think it's interesting that the people of God didn't say we're not going to build the, the, the temple. They didn't say we're never going to build the temple. They just said we're just not going to do it right now. That's a very creative excuse right there. That is a well-crafted excuse. It's like, how can you get mad at me, God? I'm not saying I'm never going to do it. Don't we do the same thing sometimes? You know when God kind of gives us a pretty good prompt of what we're supposed to do, and we go, like well, God, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying not yet." And sometimes a good not yet to God is the same as a no. Because he knows our heart and he knows that that, what that not yet really means to us. And so they were just saying, not yet. It was just this well crafted excuse. It might as well have been a, a no. And so they had gotten used to doing life amongst the ruins. They had gotten used to worshiping uh, around a temple that was just in ruins, and that had become the norm for them that had become kind of uh, of, of just kind of that this is this is normal life now and so uh, so he says, "Is it time for yourselves to be living in paneled houses while the house of God remains in ruin now we've got to be clear about something because I, I do want I want to make this clear um, I don't think that that chapter 1 of Haggai, I don't think that what this is saying to us, I don't think we see this really anywhere else in Scripture either. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with people taking pride and uh, making their homes comfortable, uh, trying to decorate, make their homes beautiful so that you can maybe be hospitable to, to other people. That's perfectly in order. The trouble for this situation, and and can be for us too, is when we get so focused on those things that it displaces our focus on the kingdom of God. So that's, that's when we get in trouble with this. Uh, that, of course, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the things will be added unto you. In other words, the people that seek God first are the ones who are most likely to have the things added unto them. That's why we don't hesitate talking about God first. There's a lot of God first principles and we don't hesitate talking about that because those that put God first are the ones that are most likely to see these things added to them. The converse of that is true as well, that those that don't seek to put God first are the ones that seem to struggle to have all the other things added to them. They were no exception, we'll see that in just a moment. We don't hesitate talking about God as first that God must be first, that God must be preeminent. It's a, it's, a, it's a good Bible word that describes God, his preeminence. And what that basically means is this, he has to be number one, the first commandment of all the commandments. No other gods before me, I, I, no other gods before me, I must be in first place. And so we, we don't hesitate talking about that. We, we want God to be first in every area of our life. I want God to be first in, in my days, I want God to be first in my delights. Like whatever I'm delighting in, I want God to be my most number one delight. I want God to be first in my dollars. Right. Right. Amen. I think mean, five people just enthusiastically said amen to God being first in my dollars. But, that, but that's, that's just a, a very tangible way to go, yes, God, and, and you're first in my life. I had a, a lady come to me about a month ago after a service. We talked for a minute, a great conversation. And, and she might be here tonight, and, uh, and uh, I didn't necessarily ask to share this, but um, it's, it was a great conversation, so I'm just going to share it, and you won't know who it is. But um, we were talking, and she said, uh, she asked me something about tithing and about giving, and she said... Um, you know, um, I stopped tithing, and she gave a time frame, you know, maybe like six or eight months ago. she stopped tithing and and uh, she said it's because I was at a at a service, and someone said something in the service, and what they said in the service made me stop tithing, and so I said, well, what was that and and basically Uh, The short version would be this, is that someone in the service that day said something about uh, a particular expenditure uh, that that church had. And when she heard that expenditure, um, it was an amount or maybe it was towards something that she felt uneasy with. And so she stopped tithing. And so here was my advice to her after that. I said, look, first of all, I want you to start tithing for your sake. I want God to be first in your life. So if that means you have to go to a different church to tithe, then do that. But I want you to tithe. And I don't want you to tithe because... Uh, because this church necessarily needs it, to sur- needs your tithe to survive. Now, your listen to me, church. Your tithe goes towards some incredible ministry. And we probably don't talk about it enough, but your tithe goes towards some incredible ministry. But I began to talk to her. I said, but they're, they're also, you know, I don't know if every single expenditure that a church makes, I don't know that you're going to agree with every single expenditure. At some point, there is a trust factor that goes, uh, but the people, you know. So I started pointing around different things around the building that day. That did cost money for us to do. And I said, someone else may go, that's not how I would have spent it. But yet we're going to, here's, here's how we decided. We exist as a church to help people encounter Jesus. And so, anything we, I promise this that a dollar that it gets spent, we, it's not gonna take us too many dots to connect the dots to someone being exposed to Jesus Christ. That's, that's what we're gonna do it on. But it just might be a different way or a different style or a different thing than what every single individual, and of course that's gonna be the case, isn't it? Don't we all spend our dollars differently? right? Like, like even on your row, people in your row spend money on something you don't spend money on. You go, well, I wouldn't spend on that. Well, of course you wouldn't. Um, So I, I was explaining to her, listen, I, but I want you to tithe. And if that means it's somewhere else, it's somewhere else, but find somewhere and tithe because that is a that God first principle is too important to let what someone said in a service keep you from it. So it was a great conversation, and I think, uh, you know, I think she had decided to be a tither again. But listen, we don't shy away from those conversations. Why? Because it's so important, nothing can compete for God's first place in your life. It just, we just can't let that happen. And the, and the biggest reason why is because when we cheat God, we cheat ourselves. You'll see it. That's that's totally what starts to happen here. Matter of fact, let's go. Verse five and six and seven. Haggai chapter one. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Still Haggai telling everybody what's going on. And then this is what the Lord says. The Lord says to them, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, But you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse, but the purse has holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. I like that when the people are in this season of disobedience, where God, there are other things that are competing for God first in their life, That I love that the mercy of God, he doesn't send them right back into exile. That the mercy of God, he doesn't go, hey, let's go find uh, someone else to come take them captive. Instead, he corrects them. He gives them a chance. And he says, hey, think, he just says, think about your life for a second. I just think we don't do that enough. I just think that there's not enough times in our life where we just kind of turn everything off and just go, how's how's life? Like I ask people that question. It's one of my, like, I I don't know if I mean it in the full meaning when I say it, but sometimes I'll just be walking next to somebody and say, how's life? And um, I feel like this is what God said to them. Consider your ways. Like ask yourself the question, how's my life? Because what God was doing there is he was saying this, because if you'll think about it, you'll realize that when you cheat me, you're cheating yourself. Like if you'll take a second and actually think about it, you'll start to remember and go, that's right, because I put on my jacket, but I'm still cold all the time. That's right, because I make money, but I seem to never have enough money that's right. I didn't think about that, God. But when I start to think about my ways, it does seem like when I eat, it's just it's never like I never get my fill. And when I drink, it seems like my thirst has never really quenched. And the things that I go after, even if I get them, they just don't seem to satisfy. And God says, think about your life. And I think we need to do that. Because some of us are in that exact season where we just are restless and we just go, I can't figure out what's going on. And then we would go back to, okay, Think about your ways. It's, God says it twice in chapter one. He says it two more times in chapter two. It might come up next week. But it's so, like this repetition is so important that, that it's the emphasis there that God is saying, hey, consider your ways. Like set your heart on your ways. Set your heart in the right places. And that's, that's our decision to do. That's our responsibility to do. Give careful thought to your ways. Set your heart where it needs to be. These, these, uh, these Israelites, they're running after money. They're running after food. They're running after this, running after that. It's such a, uh, it, it's such a parallel glimpse into our life today. Like, There there are so many individuals that are just running hectic lives, just never had, feel like they never have enough, feel like they never gain what they're trying to gain, it's like they don't have enough money and then you get a raise and then you just spend all that too and then you get a new job and you're making a lot more money but then you're like two months into that you're like, where is it all going? It's just this, this frantic, I gotta get more, I gotta get more, I gotta taste, I gotta, I gotta experience, I gotta travel, I gotta see this, I gotta, I'm got. i just these people that are just looking for like something to like fill the void. And it's such a picture of, of our our world today, so it's certainly happening on an individual basis, it's probably happening really like on a, on a church level too. That there are churches that are kind of going, have lost the meaning of it all, right? There are churches that just need to consider their ways. Uh, I think there are churches that have, have lost some of the important aspects of, of who God is. and I'm not, I'm not here to like, uh, I, I don't spend any much time like looking at other churches and, and trying to be critical i don 't spend any time doing that in my life, and that 's not really my role. There are some preachers that i''ll, I'll sometimes be listening to sermons, and they 'll spend half the sermon just bashing all the other Christians out there that 's not really my style um, so i'm not really i'm not really interested in all that, but I do know this: I do know that God is a supernatural God, and when sometimes churches sometimes maybe try to take the supernatural away because they're maybe afraid of some of that. They'll get into that zone of like, well, what are we doing and where are we going? Listen, we're, we're going to believe God for miracles. We're going to believe God for the full gospel. We're going to believe God for power in our life, signs and wonders, because um, God is a supernatural God. And so our ways should be considered. That was, that was point number two. Our ways should be considered. I think maybe... I think maybe the number one reason why we don't consider our ways, because I said, right, we don't do that enough. We don't, like, stop and just think about our life. I think the number one reason why we don't consider our ways is because we're too busy considering everybody else's ways. Isn't that the truth? Like, we are so focused on the ways of everybody else. We're so focused on, well, I can't believe they do it that way. Or oh, I can't believe they talk that way. I can't believe they act that way. I can't believe they go there like that. Like, we're so focused on everybody's ways. And I feel like some of you that have been maybe tempted to be that way, tonight God says to you, get your eyes off everybody else. Consider your ways. All right. Check out how, 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 much, how much soul possession of first place do I have in your life. Check out, look at your ways. Galatians 6 verse 4, Paul says it this way. Each one should test their own actions. You ain't got to test everybody else's actions. Each one should test their own actions then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to somebody else. Consider your ways. Our ways must be Considered, nothing should compete with God, and then the third point we'll pull out of this uh, this uh, chapter one would be this: for everything there is consequence. Okay, for everything there's consequence. Verse nine through eleven. God is continuing to speak to the prophet Haggai. He says you expected much, but see it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Why would the Lord do this to me? Because of my house, which remains a ruin. While each of you is busy with your own house, um, therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else, on the, ground, that else the ground produces, on people and livestock, on the labor of your hands. He said, I called a drought on all of that. Why? Because I wasn't first. And there's a consequence to that. There's always a consequence for our actions. Newton knew that. His, his third law of motion. You know what Newton's third law of motion? Going way back to school. I know, I'm sorry. Uh, third law of motion is for every action, there's an equal uh, reaction. Equal or opposite Reaction. And so, in other words, there's a consequence. The same is for us, there's always a consequence to our actions. Here's what we need to understand about consequences. That when I make a mistake, when I commit a sin, when I do a disobedient act... I can gain forgiveness for that. I can go to God with sincerity and say, God, I am sorry, will you please forgive me? And his answer will be yes. He will wipe away the sin, but the Bible never promises or even implies that he will wipe away the consequence. And some of us get mad at God for consequences that remain in our life, consequences of our actions, when God is going to forgive, but there's always consequence. And so God just starts to lay out and go, hey, there's consequences to the decisions that you're making in your life. And these consequences are there for a reason. These consequences are there to help you realize, okay, I don't don't want to make those mistakes in the future. Because if there was never consequence, if there was only forgiveness, well, that's easy. Right? Let's live it up every day and just we'll say sorry at the end of the day, and we'll do it again the next day. No, there are consequences for our decisions. And that's part of what, Like, let's say it this way, those consequences is actually mercy and and grace from God. Because you look at that and go, man, God was being mean to them, withholding this and withholding that. No, no, no. God was doing that to get their attention because a life lived in obedience to God just brings about blessing. A life lived where God is first brings about blessing. So God says, I'm going to do whatever it takes if it means some discomfort, if it means some lack, let me say this about the consequence that they're, that they're in in that moment. I, I would never, you won't find in Scripture that, that income, let's say it this way, that a larger income is a sign of the blessing of God. No, okay? Um, and, and what I'm saying is this. Here's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if someone in this section makes a million dollars a year and someone in this section makes $25,000 a year, it doesn't mean that God's hand is or God's more approving of their life than their life, right? That, you, that's, there's, you're not finding that in the Bible. It's not, there's nowhere, we, we would never teach that. Okay. However, sometimes the lack in our life is a lesson from God. So sometimes when I keep putting my money in the purse and the purse has holes and the money keeps going away, sometimes those moments where I'm like, I'm, I'm eating, but I'm never fed and I'm trying, I'm getting stuff, but it never feels that, sometimes that lack is a lesson from God. Sometimes that lack is God saying, there's consequence to your actions. And, um, and so consider your ways. Sometimes that lack is a lesson. So that's... That's kind of the word of the Lord to the people. Now we're going to look at how the people uh, reacted to that. And the uh, first thing they do is that the people respond. All right? Verse 12, uh, it says this. Then Zerubbabel and Joshua, the high priest, uh, remember Zerubbabel is a political leader and, and uh, Joshua is a, uh, a spiritual leader. And so those two and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord, their God, had sent him and the people feared the Lord. I love their response to the word, okay? Now, there's, there's some reasons why they responded. It did say that because God had sent the prophet and because the prophet was giving God's word and because they feared the Lord. And so, and so they responded to what was preached to them. Uh, Paul says it this way in First Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, uh, talking to the, to the Thessalonians, he says, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. They responded to God's word. Here's, here's what I want to say. We have a lot of speakers that come through our first Wednesdays. We have speakers. Um, Awaken is, is coming. Some of the best communicators in the country that we could get will be here on those four nights, all right? It's going to be amazing. Um, and there is a mantle, there is an importance that is put on moments like this, like I never take these moments lightly of of sharing God's word. It is important that a person is, is, uh, is pure hearted and prepared for these moments. Having said that, you know what else is important? Is the spirit with which you have come to receive the word. That's also important. It is. And so it wasn't just that the prophet gave the right message. It was that they had the right response to it. It's that they were ready to receive. Like even the greatest of quarterback needs a pretty good receiver from time to time, right? And so it's important. I have traveled um, all over this country. I've done all kinds of different settings and events and age groups and churches and denominations and whatever. And I'm telling you, I've been in some environments that it is tough to preach. I will be the same prayed up and the same expectation and the feel like man this is gonna tonight's gonna be the night and I'll be out there just I mean working hard and it just feels like it's going nowhere and then I've been in environments where I came in kind of tired maybe because the flight or whatever and yet the people the room was so ready to receive that they just they just started pulling the good preaching out of me and I'm like man I am preaching better than I should tonight And you know what the difference was? It's how they received it. So that's why I want you to consider your ways, even in moments like this, that you would come into services like this and that you would say, we are ready to receive. We're hungry for the word. Let's be that church, right? Let's be the church that pulls great preaching out of preachers because we're hungry for the word of God. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah, that would be a good time to say amen. Matter of fact, let's do this. Don't even tell anybody, okay? top secret stuff, pause the feed, not really, but pretend, all right. Uh, I want you guys to be special agents, all right, this weekend in service, all right. Come up in here, and there, you, some, people, some people are thermometers. Here's what a thermometer does. A thermometer just, just, uh, uh, disp- just kind of illustrates the room. A thermometer goes, uh, it's 100 in here, so look, it says 100 on, on the thermometer. That's what a thermometer does. Some people are thermometers and then some people are thermostats. Some people are thermostats and goes, it's hundred in this room. Well, get, it's getting ready to be, it's getting ready to be 72. Watch what happens when I got up in here. Some people are thermostats. So this weekend, let's see what would happen if we come into church ready to turn this into an environment. Cause some people are going to come in thinking it's just thermometer time and they're going to be sitting next to you go, what is going on with you? And you'd be like, oh, we, I came in hungry for the word. I'm pulling some good preaching <laughs> out of the preacher today. All right, all right, good, amen, we gotta move on. I could preach that for a second, all right. But the people responded, and that's, it's important, the response of the people, it's, it's probably, it's at least as important as the preparedness of the communicator of the person giving the word from the Lord. So the people respond, and then after the people respond, uh, this is number five in this stuff, the Lord returns. So after the people respond to the word, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. I am with you. Four words that were so powerful for them. Why? Because they had just considered their ways. And they had just realized, wait, we've been running in circles, not making any progress. What are we going to do? And in that moment of like, I don't know, like consideration. And in that moment of desperation. In that moment of maybe a little bit of, Intrepidation trepidation of like, I don't know what, what's going to happen with this. Like, have we gone too far? I guess that's what it is, right? Have we done too much? Have we, We've waited 18 years. Is that too long? God, are you, are you just done with us? Four words. God says, no, I'm with you. I am with you. And when, when, when God returns onto the scene, Jesus said the same thing to people. He said, lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the world when when God returns onto the scene what that means is this that means all that work that's been a waste now that work is going to prosper Amen. all that eating that has not left you now it's going to bring fulfillment nourishment Amen. all that going after this and going after that and feeling empty now there's going to be a purpose to your life what has changed because you put me first I am with you the lord returns And then the last one is this. Verse 14 and 15. After the Lord returns, the passion is ignited again. The passion of the people is ignited. Verse 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit. I'm telling you, I was reading, preparing this this week, and that phrase just was hitting me. The Lord stirred up the spirit. I was just saying, Lord, stir up our spirits. Stir us up. Reignite a a new passion again. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the governor, and the spirit of Joshua, the high priest. And he stirred up the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came after that stirred up spirit. They came and they began to work on the house of the Lord, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. They took took a couple weeks and they went and gathered all of the materials. And now in short order, three weeks later, they're working on the house of God. Are they working because they have to? Is it, uh, is it uh, oh man, what, this is horrible that we have to do this. And I, I liked it better the other way. No, 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 none of that. Why? Because the Lord had stirred up their spirit. And I just think there was a hop in their step. And now they're building something of eternal significance. We're building the temple again. Listen, when you get involved in building the kingdom, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about working so that somebody around here sees you. But when you say, God, I want you to be first in your life in my life. God, I want you to be first in everything that I'm doing. God, I want you to stir up a spirit. Let there be an excitement within me. And when you kind of tap into that and start to follow your function and start to be used of God to advance the kingdom, I'm telling you, it will be energizing. It won't take energy out of you physically, sometimes, yes, but God will always be there to stir up your spirit. I just like that They were going, what God is going to take pleasure in when this is done, I will take pleasure in doing. Can I say that one more time? What God is going to take pleasure in when it's done, I will take pleasure in doing. So they're like, let's do this now. Even if it means this gets harder before it gets easier. Even if it means this gets dirtier before we finish. You know, sometimes with remodeling, right? Sometimes, sometimes things get worse before they get better, but they enjoyed even that process. Sometimes the first step in a project's the hardest one to take. You know, you've you, you got that big looming project at the house and you're just like, Ugh. you just don't want to start it because you just know when you start it, you know, we're in trouble. Like I'm, I'm on this for two weeks once I start it, so we just keep procrastinating. Sometimes that first step's the hardest. Once they took that first step, but that ignited passion. They're like, "Yeah, but when this is done, God's gonna get pleased. And if God's pleased with it when it's done, then I'll be pleased with it while I'm doing it." That passion reignited. We can be consumed with so many things. And listen, you can make a you can make a qualification. You can make a maybe excuse is too strong of a word, but some of the things that you maybe can't do. You can you can look up here and see people leading in worship and go, I know, but I can't. I don't have that gifting, or somebody else serving in some other way. I'm not. I'm not eloquent, and I'm not. I can't sing, and I can't act, and I can't. You know, I'm not uh, uh, good. Maybe in conversation, like we can we can do all that, but you can never make an excuse for a lack of zeal. Because guess what? You get to decide how zealous you are for the Lord. You get to decide how passionate you are for God. You get to decide that. You get to decide say, God, I am putting you first again. So God, stir up my spirit as I decide to be passionate for you. There's more to this life than just coming to church and singing a song and listening to a talk and Going out and doing it again next week. There's, there's more to life than that. No, we are called to be passionate builders of the kingdom of God. Let's build the house of God again. Let's be a church that prioritizes the kingdom in our life. Would you stand with me all across this building? Lord, your word is good. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.